Our guest today openly admits she had a rough start in the title industry. More than a few tears were shed, but a combination of persistence and taking advantage of the resources and people there to help along the way, she's been able to take that knowledge and help many other agents going through the same struggles. I'm talking about Andy Bolin, a Texas-based agency rep for Stewart Title. Andy's experience and bubbly personality makes her uniquely suited for her role to support agents and to provide advice on everything from getting through the tough times, leading with empathy and humility, and really helpful tips for evaluating vendors. We talk about all of these things and more, so make sure you listen to the end. This episode is part two in our series centered around the 2023 State of the Title Industry survey and report. To make sure you catch them all, please subscribe where you listen to podcasts and maybe even take a moment to leave us a review. It really helps us out. Also, if you haven't already downloaded your copy of this year's report, you can grab it at stateoftitle.com. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. Now to my interview with Andy. Hey Andy, welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. I am doing well. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. So where are you joining me from today? I am joining you from the Galleria in Houston on a rainy day. I don't think we've seen rain in 462 years and today <laughs> of all days the rain shall cometh from the sky oh well i hope it's it's got like a nice cozy feel for you at least it does, yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so for people who don't know you um tell us a little bit about yourself and who you work for and what it is that you do uh well let's just start with the basics my name is andy bolin hello and um, I am an agency sales manager, services manager for Stewart Title Guarantee Company. I service um, our incredible agent partners uh, that are uh, based in Houston all the way down to the valley and to the coast of Texas, all the way to the border, basically south of San Antonio to the border. So I have you know, a pretty decent sized territory And what that looks like for me on a day-to-day basis is whatever their needs are as far as um, a partnership with their underwriter, that is what I get to fulfill. And based on the size of their agent from huge agents to very small rural agents, everyone has a different need. And so I'm never able to encapsulate exactly what I do because um, I am so grateful for the opportunity to be able to fill in what they tell me what their needs are and then I find a way to like, all right, let me pivot and figure out how to solve for that solution. So uh, to put that in like to one little circle would be really hard and yet I feel like every day is a new challenge or a new opportunity. So I just really feel like I'm a relationship manager that bridges the gap of like the agent need with what the underwriter offers and figures out how to like be the best partner for them. 
That's awesome. So um, you obviously have had a lot of experience in the title industry, a lot of different kinds of experiences. So tell us a little bit about like your journey and what kind of makes you, uh, you know, uniquely like awesome for this kind of like role that you're in now. Well, I thank you for saying that I'm uniquely awesome. I'm going to put that as my new tagline, uniquely awesome. Andy Boland, comma, uniquely awesome. Done. Uh, I started in this business as an open order girl. And uh, to be completely transparent, I was told very early on I was never going to make it. Um, I think I cried every single day for the first six months. Um, I shared an office with somebody who had been doing this for a really long time, and um, she was so intimidating that I either had two options. I was going to sink, or I was going to sink further, is what I kind of felt. <laughs> so my option um, was A, just sink a little bit, and um, I, that's kind of what I did. And every time an opportunity like presented itself, I kind of went with that. A lot of it was just having being in the right place at the right time. I can't honestly say with like a whole heart that every move that I made was maybe the right move. I probably did, you know, did make lots of friends sometimes along the way. But you, I think early in your career when you're just trying to figure out what that looks like and how to pivot in professional settings and um, create those relationships and what it really looks like to be in an industry where there is no blueprint because that's what title insurance is. We just come in here, we, we hope that there's a space for us and we sometimes have to pull up our own chair some, sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. I'm hoping now in my ripe old age of coming down the hill <laughs> that I am learning how to pivot in a much more um, fluid way and creating those relationships, hopefully uh, doing it more smoothly, learning how to um, massage conversations differently than I did. I would like to say I was a bull in a china cabinet um, early on. Um, I'm probably still a bull in a china cabinet and yet now I wear ballet shoes instead of concrete boots. <laughs> <laughs> but from open order girl, uh, it just kind of progressed. I had some opportunities for some people who really looked out for me when they, when um, changes happened in my career that opened doors for me that would not have been opened otherwise. Um, at one point, I had the opportunity to be the president of a title company in the Houston market. And that experience by itself, while I had no idea what I was doing when I started, I really leaned on a lot of people. And I will tell you that um, our Texas Association of TLTA and even learning about Alta. Uh, I leaned on Alta in a way that that I don't know if it was healthy in the beginning because I was introduced to Alta by one of my underwriters at the time, and I will forever be grateful to her because I didn't know Alta was existed or was a thing. And I went to an Alta meeting, and I felt like I was in Disneyland, like it was this new space where all of these new characters lived, and I could be anyone I wanted to be in that space because no one knew me. 
and they were all willing to like let me be a part of their ride and they were like come over here and every committee felt like a new ride they were like come over here and do this and come over and they were willing to share and they were like you can sit in my seat and that's what it felt like and so I embraced that and took all of that knowledge back to my agency um was able to grow that agency was able to learn a lot of things made a lot of mistakes I will tell you that anybody who doesn't talk about the mistakes that they made, whew, we are missing out on some opportunities because if there was a mistake to be made, I probably made it and I probably made it real. There's probably craters in the ground with the mistakes that I made. Um, and yet I am so grateful for those mistakes because I was able to then make another opportunity happen from them. And all of that kind of got me into this space that I raised my hand when I saw a post on a, no, none other than LinkedIn, Stuart with a position, and I just said, is, is this something um, that you think that I would be good at? And I had a conversation and they were like, what do you think about doing this? And uh, I knew that I wanted to take all of the things that I had learned and been able to do for so long. And if I could share just a little bit of what I had gathered in those years, again, all of the craters I had made, if I could help other people make smaller divot, make not make craters, but maybe make divots, I would be more than happy to share. Um, I don't want, I've never wanted anything to ever belong to just me. it There was like a freedom and being able to give all of that knowledge kind of like openly and freely. And this position has been so rewarding and I have met so many people that I would not have met without doing, um, without making this change that I really feel like I have, I have upgraded from Disneyland to Disney World now because now I can travel around the universe. <laughs> so you obviously have a lot of interactions um, like on the day-to-day with agents. You, like you had said, like really from really small agencies to pretty large agencies. So like you see a lot, like the, kind of the gamut. So what I'm trying to get a sense of is like, what do you feel like this year or even this summer, you know, this, you know, with the market the way it is, like, what are, what is the overall vibe right now you feel like among the agents that you work with? You know, I, I think it's across the board, the vibe is really concerning for a lot of owners and people that even just work in the agencies. Obviously, we're seeing a slowdown in business. We are looking at things that we can't control. As people who have, a lot of us ridden out this storm before in this wave. We know that this business is cyclical and some people have been in this cycle before. Some people are new to the cycle. So when it's a new cycle that you've never dealt with before, it's scary. It's intimidating. You're really just trying to figure, figure out like how to get your footing, what to do next, how to predict um, future cast and how you're going to survive this. They're looking at ways to grow their teams, um, ways to do education, um, how they can better provide. They're also looking at ways to, you know, obviously grow revenue. That's the biggest thing. Like everyone is in this space where you just feel a lot of pressure and weight. And that's kind of the resounding um, noise that I hear or 
the, the, the conversation is, when do you think the market's going to change? Like, when do we see a change? And, you know, if there was anything that I could wish for, it would be a crystal ball because I would like to give all of them the reassurance that it's not permanent. Um, the best that I could do is remind everyone the reason we have cycles is because what goes down has to come up. That's why I like to go to Disney World because the rides are fun. While this, this part of the ride isn't fun because... But we do enjoy the incline when we're going, tick, 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 tick. everyone knows what that sound is like when you're going up the ride, the anticipation. Um, the down isn't always as great. And um, this is the time where I'm like leaning in heavy of where can we support you to help you get through this because we know this isn't the last time we're gonna have a cycle. And where do you see the opportunities because when we have the next uptick they're not gonna you don't want to have this conversation with me you're gonna be too busy so I need to lean all in all forward you're gonna see me more times than you want to so that I can give you everything that I've got while you have the time to take in everything that I can give yeah well you're not but, drinking from a fire hose basically yeah because when they're busy I'm just a cheerleader. I'm like, you got this. I'm supporting you. You can do it. Like <laughs> when, they're not, when they're busy, when they're not busy, they're like, what, what should we be masterminding? I'm like, okay, let's get down to brass tacks. Each year we ask agents like what they think that their peers, like how, like kind of assessing how well do they think their peers are doing like title work. And it's always funny and not super surprising uh, that most people say that, you know, like they themselves are doing a great job, but that their peers could probably do better. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> um, and a good amount of people said that they had no opinion on it, which I totally respect. <laughs> we added that option this year. It's like, if you don't want to, you don't want to talk about it. But um, I'm just curious if you, if you have like an idea, if you, you think, you know, where, where would this come from? I know that there's like a sense of pride in title work. Um, but do you, do you think that like a lot of people or having been in it yourself, you know, that you, you see a lot of times you come across things where you're like, wow, someone really didn't do, you know, a very thorough job on this or, you know, that sort of thing. I think that we all across the board have strengths and weaknesses and where we show up best is supporting each other. Um, because at the end of the day, in the space where I operate, our job is to help title agents perform better. Our job is to help them be the best that they can be at what they're doing. And if we're able to work collectively together rather than um, in a situation where we're pitted against each other and our agents can see that we are team players, it's going to make it easier for them when there is an opportunity for something to shift from one person or one company to another company for us to rally around them for their success because their success ultimately translates to our success. And if my only uh, resolution from doing anything that I do looks like my agent's winning, then that's a win for me because my job is to help them win. Now, if I'm not doing a great job, that's on me on how I show up. But I want to play in this field with the other with my peers 
in the best shape and the best version of me that I can show up and hope that that resonates with my peers so that when there is an opportunity for us to all play together, we provide um, a level of service that allows them to execute daily at a higher level because what that does is it allows the consumer to be protected at a higher level and we from what I understand are all in the business of protecting at the end of the day the consumer so that's kind of how I see myself yes I know we're all trying to get that extra revenue bump we're all trying to like win that extra piece of business but really at the end of the day, I wanna see my agents win because if they win, the consumer wins, we all win and our industry looks better as a whole. And that is what is important to me is that this career is lasting and standing and we're able to fight against the people that are trying to come in and invalidate what we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I love that. Basically what you were saying kind of reminded me of a lot of the argument around like when they were talking about unregulated title insurance alternatives, you know, um, if there's a lot of the issues that get cleared up are things that just come across in the course of normal title work. It could be some small little issue that like someone didn't notice, you know, because for one reason or another, or it was a clerical error, just some really basic things that can happen in the course of doing business that like if, if, these, you know, issue, issue or policies aren't being issued and like the, the due diligence isn't being done, um, then those things don't get cleaned up, you know, and it really is everybody's responsibility, you know, as, as um, property exchanges hands to like do a thorough look and make sure those issues do get cleaned up. I just think basically what you're saying, I feel like rings really true that it is like ultimately it's not about like I found this issue that someone else didn't find. It really is about like the fact that we're all in this work to make sure that the consumer is protected. A hundred percent. We can't, I feel like it's disingenuous for us to go to battle together to fight whoever is coming um, into our industry to devalue us and to say your product is no longer needed and then for us to fight amongst each other. When really... I have made a couple of mistakes in my career. It just has happened. I mean, I've missed a thing or two. I've sent out, like, let's be honest, I've sent out a payoff wire to a bad guy one time. Like, I've made those mistakes. I can resonate with those mistakes. Um, And yet, and so for me, like, when an agent does that, I have a place to stand and be like, I've made that mistake. Now, if one of my peers wants to be like, don't work with that person, she's made that mistake. Yeah, that's why I resonate when an agent calls me and they're in a panic and I can find a solution for that. I don't want to be in a place where I'm like, your work is bad, my work is better because there's going to be a point where a mistake is made and it's how we pivot from that opportunity to say, you're right, mistake was made. This is how we're gonna going to like pivot and do something different. But we are all like if perfection was a indicator of whether or not we all worked. I mean, <laughs> we'd all be out of jobs. You, no one would be working. I, I would agree. be in a hot bed of mess. <laughs> no, I love that. That's I love absolutely love what you have to say about that. That's awesome. So um, another question I wanted to ask you about. So <clears throat> every year we also ask what everyone's biggest challenge is um, right now. We just have them kind of self-identify. 
this year and every year the the biggest challenge that we see and the the what falls next kind of changes year to year depending on like what market forces are happening but this year they you know everyone said juggling too many tasks is like their their biggest challenge which is still kind of interesting considering the market's down so much you know um <clears throat> so before I go into the question a little bit further, I, I think that's interesting, like that, that juggling too many tasks, does that sound like something, you know, even without maybe the number of, of transactions as we've seen, you know, in the past, you know, several years when things were up really high, like, do you feel like, does it make sense to you that people are saying that juggling too many tasks is still an issue for them? One thousand percent. One thousand hundred percent agree yes I feel that myself it resonates with me like if you were to ask me like what is my biggest challenge there I say yes to everything um I I don't have enough hours I made a joke earlier this year shame on me that I didn't have enough to do and um my boss laughed at me and now he texts me and says oh do you not have enough to do now and it is, I literally, like, there's so much. I don't, like, some days I feel like my bandwidth is, I'm, like, on the fumes. Now, it helps that, again, I love this career. Like, I feel like if I could be born at, into anything, I'd be, like, a title baby. Like, I'm just a teeny tiny title baby. Even though I got here really late, I feel like getting here in my late 20s was a, maybe helpful to the industry. Uh, I wish I would have got here sooner, but... Who knows what kind of craters I would have created then. Um, but 100%. Because I think for me, I see it from the lens of when the market is in the place that it is now, the demand for your time is higher because other people have more time for your time. And so they they, they ask more of it. So we it is now um, October 3rd. I will tell you currently, my calendar is booked out almost through um, Thanksgiving. Wow, wow. And that's a lot for me. Um, when it was in the busy months, it wasn't like that. When we were busy, when it was, when it was COVID era, I mean, I was lucky if I like popped in, hi, how you doing? What do you need? What can I help you with? Here's some things, here's some tools. They're like, we'll let you know. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> I felt like more of a mascot, like a Stuart. Like I just needed a cape, and like <laughs> just a quick drop by. Hi, guys. Yeah, just a quick like. I'm here. Um, I miss you guys. Glad y'all are doing it. I had. I have one. Oh, I love. I love these guys. They they call all of their working files blessings. <laughs> and and I would pop in and they would be like, we have so many blessings. We're so blessed. We're drowning in blessings. <laughs> <laughs> I need a, a bit of a vacation from all the blessings. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> Being really like inundated with so many different tasks, obviously, is a huge challenge. So what we had asked, because everyone's talking about AI, everyone's talking about chat GPT. Yes. No one is really necessarily talking about like super practical applications in like the title sphere. 
Um, but what we asked is like if people would think about or if they'd consider or if they already had brought AI into their title production workflow. Um, so 20%, which was pretty high, said that they were looking into it. Uh, 7% said that they had already um, been um, utilizing AI in their production workflow. And then 60% said, like, not at this time. So I'm just curious to know if it's something that you hear about among your agents, if you feel like it's something that, um, you know, is, is like, like a viable option right now, something you're seeing people utilize, or if it just kind of feels like a – I saw a lot of people who answered um, – some things like never, <laughs> like we would never do something like that or never bring AI or people are a little like a little nervous about robots taking over and that sort of thing or I, just just concerned about overall like quality and like what that would mean. But anyways, just curious like what you've heard uh, from agents you deal with. I will say that from the agents I deal with um, that for the most part, they're not using it for their title production workflow. Um, it's not a conversation that we've brought up. I do have a small, small group that is starting to utilize it in other places in their business, um, mostly in sales and marketing and with their escrow teams and kind of streamlining those processes mm -hmm. uh, just on the, the title production space. And yet there is an opportunity to ask and start utilizing some of those AI um, aspects with basic questions because you know I don't know if you know I know and there's probably others that know that there are companies that are using it and so with companies using it they're filling in that information and the algorithm with those maybe basic underwriting questions for like our newer um, entries into the title insurance world where you would have to ask, bother, you know, knock on someone's door, ask them a question. You, depending on how long that they've been in the business, if they're a veteran, they might give you the, you know, the head nod and the answer. But it's an opportunity for us to maybe leverage some of that initial learning with some of the basics um, into those those systems to help create some fluid opportunities I would say but in the title production space I can't say I haven't asked to be completely honest if we are using it um, on the underwriter level I do not believe that we are but again I don't want to speak for Stuart since I did not ask them that question it's just not something that we have talked about so if they are doing it it's something that's happening without a conversation had I do know that we have um, a committee that that's that Stuart um, has put together that is focused on AI and what that looks like and the build out of that and how that application could work and how we could use that in the future. And I'm not on that committee, so I don't I don't have any details because that is above my tree. <laughs> my branch <laughs> on the tree. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I mean I like artificial intelligence versus like just automation, you know, like I know that yeah. some people are using like automation to help with, <clears throat> I mean, some title production softwares have, you know, some some stuff built in. But, like, it, in terms of, like, order entry and things like that, I think a lot of tasks have been a little bit more automated depending on, you know, where you go and, or what, you know, systems you might be using. But 
yeah, I, I, I think I, everyone I've asked is it's kind of similar. I would be curious to like reach out to those people who said that they're already using it and get a better sense of like how and, and what they're doing with it. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I'm curious of like how ac- the accuracy of it, how much they are cleaning up after it gets put in the system. You know, if they are using AI to answer those basic questions, how, how accurate is it? I, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to be able to play with it more. But again, I say yes to all the other things that I feel like are, and it's just like on the list of like things I want to get done. It's on the list, but it's like down here because no one's really asking for that yeah. yet. But at the point in which more people start saying, hey, Andy, does AI help with this? I might move it up the list. Right now they're like, how does AI help me write an email? And I'm like, let me show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those things too. It's like, and I think we, we had a conversation a while ago with, um, a guy who who works in in marketing um and it was basically like it's not so much the title work but it is like all of the other stuff that you're like often spending a lot of time on you know in your business that you might be able to kind of outsource to robots and like allow you know that to like write an email like i don't want to have to sit here and draft this or like if you're still doing social media on your own you know like write some posts for me or that sort of thing I needed to create an itinerary this morning at 7.30, um, a mock itinerary for something that we're putting together. And I put it into chat GPT and I said, I need an itinerary for this amount of space from this time to this time with this, this hour sessions, with this number of breaks. And I put it in there and it spit it out. And now all I have to do is put that in my clipboard and go and change it but it's already built out. The framework is there. So the, you don't have exactly. to do that. Yeah. That's yes. Cool. And and I, when I teach like Chat GPT um, for to real estate agents for our in our CE space, I tell them like your brain is only is only programmed to make so many decisions and be creative so many times a day. So when you get to the end of the day and you're still looking at how to make fa- posts and how to how to what you want to post on Instagram and you're like I need to make this post I have to put a caption on it and you just can no longer be creative. Like, use this as a tool to get you started as, like, all right, I'm not going to sit at the stop sign anymore. I'm going to roll through this. Here's an idea. Okay, great. I'll use this as a framework, and now I'm going to put my personality. Because anybody who knows me knows ChatGPT isn't going to capture that. No, <laughs> so definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're still tweaking that needs to happen. Yeah, but it's absolutely. like it's a good starting spot and it's like it's you not gotta you're not dress it up. Yeah, yeah. I gotta yeah, put exactly. my own like zhuzh on it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the other thing I wanted to bring up was what's like the most important thing when it comes to choosing your partner, your vendor partners, your search partners, your outsource partners, like what's the most important thing that you're looking for? Um, and the absolute top uh, is, is the quality of work and the, and the, the quality of the product that you're getting, which makes a ton of sense. Um, and then, you know, a couple, the, the next thing down is, is price is the next most important thing, which I just thought was kind of funny or not necessarily funny, but it just sort of surprised me, I guess that price would be like the second most important thing over things like, like being integrated with the software that you use to like save time or like making ordering and monitoring easier or like good communication, um, because so much of this work is just something that you can, pa- is a pass through cost. Like, why do you think price is something that people are, are so sensitive to? I think price right now is so sensitive because of the market and everyone's looking to save more money, um, 
obviously on their expenses on that bottom line. And I, I agree with you. Like to me, that's super surprising because you can save $5, but if it costs you two hours to fix a $5 savings problem, you didn't save any money. So while you want a great product, one, that should be obviously your number one. You need a good product. But, and number two, I agree in regards to like the integration option and having a product that's integrated because it's ease of work. The, num the less number of clicks, the more efficient your team can be, the more work that can be produced, the more ease of access that, that it helps with just getting things out the door. But also, I would say, which, which is more valuable than cost, is how that partner pivots when there is an issue. Because price can't save that for you. You can't, you can't justify a pivot in a problem with price. If there is, if there is something that happens because every, all of us know that nothing works 100% of the time, 100% of the time. And when those issues come up and you are saving a dollar, there, is there gonna be the same level of response for the least expensive product on the market when, what's the cost of losing you? So, I would say for me, as a former per, a person who was formerly making those decisions, that's how I my rank looked. It was it was how the product worked in the beginning. Did did we integrate? Did they integrate? And how did they respond to feedback? How did they respond when there was an issue? And then price, because I'm willing to pay a little bit extra for something that is better. Yeah. It's, I mean, look at, just look at cars. cars. Look at, look I at was thinking the same thing. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. yeah look yeah. at handbags. Like, look at the yeah. things that, that consumers spend their money on that last longer. It's, from that's just the way that I see it. And I understand some people are not in a position to save that money, are not in a position to be like, I can't afford X. Is For me, my question is always, is there another place that we can look at where we can save the same amount of money, but we don't, but we're not compromising the quality of what you're looking at and the product that you're receiving, or are you hiring a person on your payroll to double check this work that's coming in to make sure it's accurate because it's maybe an inferior product? <laughs> like yeah. all of these other things that we we talk about. Um, because price is not, should not be the differentiator if it's not the same. If it's the same exact quality and everything else matches exactly, I get it. But if it doesn't, that's a different conversation. And again, when there's an issue, sometimes I feel like the lowest person, the one to zero, the person to zero kind of has you. Their, where's their motivation to work with you when they're already at zero, they're like, you're not going to leave me. So you'll I'm just. I'm the cheapest. You you chose yeah. me because I'm cheaper. I, I undercut everybody else. So. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want you to leave me. I'm going to work my behind off to make you as happy as possible because I know I don't have the cheapest product. So. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good point. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the the last question I had is, you know, if 
if agents are out there struggling right now and they're just kind of like sitting there, you know, thinking when when will things turn around? You know, when will they be better? What's something that you can say or that you do say, you know, in your normal interactions that could help potentially give them a little hope? Um, I ask them to look at things differently. One, how long, you know, I remind them that we have been through this before, that never ever have we stayed in a declining market for eternity. There is never a line on our, um, in history that is a straight line at the bottom. So we're gonna come out of it. What can we focus on now that we can change? We're not gonna change the interest rate. We're not gonna change the economy. We're not gonna change the Fed. We're not gonna change the housing market. We can't list more houses. We can't change what our competitors are doing. Those are the things we can't change. What we can change, and one of the things that I just talked about um, to, a, to a group of agents was looking at how you, what you can do to differentiate yourself and your market. And this typically pertains to my agents that are in larger markets, but I like to call it the Bucky's effect. Do you have a, do you have a Bucky's? I just went on a quick road trip this weekend and like we passed it and it was like, it literally like backing up the exit off of I-75. <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know. But yeah, I know of Bucky's. Yes. So for me, it's I, it's like for so long we've heard about Chick-fil-A and we've heard about Zappos and they have this like great service model and we all, when we hear the words, my pleasure, we think of one company. I like to talk about what Bucky's did, and they created a business model by listening to what the consumer wanted. And the consumer wanted clean bathrooms that, they weren't, that weren't sketchy, that they weren't afraid to go into when they were on the road. They just wanted to stop in a clean bathroom when they were traveling. So that's what Bucky's created. And... You can now, Bucky's restroom, bathrooms are probably cleaner than most bathrooms in most homes. The way that they have, they have team members who clean those bathrooms. Um, that's their sole job in, in that gas station. And it's more than a gas station because now you'll drive down the road, you'll pass 15 empty gas stations to get to that gas station for a clean bathroom. You'll wait in line for a gas pump. Most of the time, you haven't even paid attention to how much the gas is at the gas station. Once you get to the gas pump, you go inside the store, you spend $80 on <laughs> roasted nuts, a fountain drink, an icy, probably some beef jerky, something cold from the cooler. More than likely, if it's your first trip, you're going to buy a shirt with a beaver on it. Then you have to buy a sticker to put on your car so everyone knows you stopped at a gas station that you had no intention of buying when you stopped in there. They've created this whole thing all because they solved the, the they've solved a problem the consumer had, which was a clean bathroom. So what is in this moment, have you looked back at if you do reviews, if you ask your clients, if you ask the people that come into your office to do closings, for reviews and feedback. Are we focusing on the four and five stars? Because those are those are easy to focus on, right? Because those feed our ego. Those are the ones that make us feel good. If we take a minute to step back and focus on the one and two stars, those are what are gonna feed feed our company. Because those give us an opportunity to pivot 
and really provide a value and a service to the consumer. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. So I'm, I am challenging them to really look at how they can provide that extra level of service in this downtime when they have the time to focus on that so that when the market goes back up, they are ready to serve at a level that they haven't served at before by listening to those opportunities that are created in those one and two stars. And if those one and two stars are always about communication, then that's where the hole is. And how can they solve for that hole when it's slow? Because solving for that hole when it's busy is nearly impossible. Such a good point, so good. Thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate you spending time Thank you. offering your insight. You're just a joy to chat with anyway. So thank you so much, really. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later. Bye, Andy. Bye. You can get even more insights by downloading the full 2023 State of the Title Industry Report at stateoftitle.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll feature Alta CEO, Diane Tom. Be sure to subscribe to Title Talks wherever you listen to podcasts. Title Talks is a production of PropLogix. We're a tech-enabled due diligence provider committed to helping title professionals get to the closing table with confidence. For information about our time-saving services, head to proplogix.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X dot com. And until next time, happy closings.